Welcome to the Industrial Talk Podcast with Scott McKenzie. Scott is a passionate industry professional dedicated to transferring cutting-edge, industry-focused innovations and trends while highlighting the men and women who keep the world moving. So put on your hard hat, grab your work boots, and let's go. All right, once again, thank you very much for joining Industrial Talk, a platform that is dedicated to industry professionals all around the world because you are bold, yes, brave, yes, you dare greatly, you solve problems, you collaborate, you're making my life and the world a better place. How about that for a celebration? We are on site once again at the 30th annual SMRP conference here in Raleigh, North Carolina. It is well attended. If you are in the manufacturing, if you are in the industry, if you are in maintenance, if you're in reliability, this is a thing. This is the conference for you. All right. He's a legend. He's been on the podcast a number of times. He does not disappoint. Klaus is his name. University of Tennessee. Is that it? They just won a football game, too, I heard. Scuttlebutt has it. <laughs> is that, is that it? I'm excited about this conversation. Seems like uh, our, our paths cross quite a bit at various uh, things, man. You know, it's all cool. It's always great to see you. Yeah. I enjoy being in all places. It is a good time. It's an exciting time. Yeah. I mean, more than ever. I mean, I think you're right in the middle of it. Yeah, it's good to get out again, too. You know, with it does. Everybody feels it. Yeah. Well, when was the last time we, we saw each other? It was, uh, I think it was manufacturing. Before COVID, yeah. Yes, that's right. Anyway, I wanted to interview them, but you didn't. You were too busy. You were, you were being Klaus, most definitely. All right. I know that, that uh, we need to level set real quick on who you are. I know who you are. Other listeners don't. So let's just sort of give us a little background on the Klaus, and then we're going to talk a little bit about uh, what's happening at the University of Tennessee and, and uh, from a reliability perspective and how education is important. Talk to us. Sure, great. Um, well, currently I'm at the University of Tennessee, Director of the Reliability and Maintainability Center. I'm a professor there, but you know, although I do time to students and we do various academic things, the majority of my time is really involved with helping industry. You know, really uh, implementation, uh, everything from the technical stuff to changing cultures, and you know, a lot of it would be professional development training, but also. Uh, uh, um, Everything from assessments and what are roadmaps to get better, you know, et cetera, data mining, all the things and the technologies around that. And then uh, I've been there 14 years. That's kind of hard to believe in itself. Uh, oh, I say that again? I've been there 14 years. Is it really? Yeah, I know that's hard to believe. It uh, is. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, no, I've always had gray hair. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, yeah, I've always been bald. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, no, and, uh, yeah, I retired for 32 hours. My wife could track and, and, uh, and uh, I left the job as a manufacturing engineering director at uh, you know, Cadillac at General Motors at the time, and you know we built plants, ran them, and so on. And then, uh, you know, in the middle of my career, I had uh, North America responsibility for manufacturing reliability and maintenance, and that's where really I grew my love for this kind of stuff, and, and so on. But I've had you know corporate jobs in industrial engineering, so I've done a lot of global benchmarking, which I still do after 30 years. Uh, I was one of the uh, A10 companies people that was involved in putting SMRP together in, in the early days, oh. and so that's you know that's why I have a lot of you know, ties back into here. I was chairman uh, for a couple of years around year five six, and, and uh, kind of lose track of when you know, and and, uh, and then um, I went to the University of Tennessee because even though there's a few other schools now getting into it more, 
Uh, it's the only university when I started in North America that had both an undergraduate and graduate program. We tied it, we tied into R&M. And so I, I targeted that specifically. I didn't just kind of, kind of land there. And, uh, and so uh, they've had a program probably about three years after SMRP. So it's actually our 27th conference coming oh, up in March. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So um, if I had a nickel... Of every time you somebody said, you have a nickel. I, I, I don't even know what they look like anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If I had a nickel, uh, for everybody, every time somebody says, "Hey, uh, we're having, we're having resources challenge. Uh, we're, we're having fi- difficulty finding people," and and I don't know, chicken egg. I, I don't know, but you're in the think of it. You, you're where you're, you're focused on education. You're all, you're focused on building that future with with young professionals desiring to get into this you know world of reliability what have you seen what what are how is the university of tennessee help facilitating that the, or minimizing the pain of what's going on out there well i think there's a couple of things is i mean we obviously uh, uh have a, an academic minor and and uh in, for the students coming out so they get some of that some of that uh, academic experience and then we, I look at it every you know, three, four, five years during that time frame, every, every window like that, uh, we put students in half the United States in summer internships. So they're also getting the practical experience in companies. No, you're putting them in and, and on the floor or whatever. Yeah, yeah they're, doing four, they're doing 13, 14 week internships on a plant floor or wherever they're working, process industries, uh, chemical industries, yeah, yeah. Uh, automotive, uh, energy, whatever, you know, whatever they choose to do. And then... Uh, also, we do professional development training assessments, all that kind of stuff. And so we're, we spend really, even though we're working in academia, we spend 95, 95% of our time really helping and working with companies around, around North America. How do, how do you, you know, it, 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 how do you keep current? Because one thing that's obvious and, and, and apparent out here is that there's a velocity that exists. Mm-hmm. And, it, and there's the, the traditional, you know, reliability pr- you know, work, and then you got all this innovation and this technology out here. How does your your organization sort of begin to marry the two and keep moving and keeping that sort of nimble mindset? Well, I, you know, even when I go into companies, I mean, there's some big companies just throwing lots of money at the new innovations because they oh, know it's, it's, it's the, a shiny it's gonna, thing. It's going to be the way of the future. Yeah. But when I look at the majority of the companies, it's still about. This stuff is all great, but I struggle just getting production out every day. I don't have enough people. You know, you know, we have other issues. Yeah. Uh, you know, you have the whole COVID pandemic thing with logistics yeah. you know, and yeah. those kind of issues. Yeah. And and even before that, uh, those all things are great, but it really has what I call, uh, I would call it maybe, uh, uh, I want to call it times of confusion, but maybe... Uh, 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 times where the the companies don't know you know how fast to put that foot forward in the innovation, and and ten I'd say ten twelve years ago, uh, what I heard from all I do a lot of benchmarking with thousands of companies and so on. On uh, ten twelve years ago, I heard them say if we don't get better at the plant floor on the culture, uh, reductions in reactive maintenance are going to slow down. And I've seen that with data now for the last ten twelve years. North America, certain companies have gotten better. But on average, North America has not gotten better on percent reactive maintenance. So exactly what they told me happened. That's that's interesting. So how do how do we how do we change that? Well, well, part of it is, again is the cultural thing. Uh, 
which is a, you know it's not it's not, a, it's not, it's not easy. A that's not a light switch. switch. Right. That's for doggone sure. Right, right. You're right. You don't change that over over. No. But 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 there is there's got to be a plan to do that. Yeah, then, you know, we've got to be competitive. Yeah, we've got to. And then even with the technologies, uh, the technologies are going to come. But I see the integrity of the data is not there to support the technologies. You know, some stuff you can pull off with the condition monitoring, but there's still a lot of manu- manual input and interpretation. And so some companies have lots of data, but it's not that good. Other, other companies have really good data, but there's data missing. And so what good it is, is it if you have technologies that are plug-and-play no, no, no. if you don't trust your data no. to, to make the tough decisions? And that's, So that's an issue right now still, too. That So, so whenever we, I see projects or things, that huh. you, even a few that I'm involved with, I won't mention the names, but, but uh, the biggest issue is 80% of the effort is cleansing the data. You know, you bring up a good point. And, and, and every time that I went into an implementation of some sort, the biggest and nastiest conversation was around data, bad data over a period of time. It it accumulates. I, and again, I I don't know the solution to scrubbing that data, but so with that said, so with all of this data stuff, it's still we're not in a position we you know, we we dream about all of this wonderful innovation in, in technology, but we still have a lot of work to do just to get it to a point where it's sort of drivable. Absolutely. Well, I see two things that can help with the culture. Uh, uh, one is, is, is I, I see people, rather than doing just Kaizen or continuous improvement events, yeah. they learn how they need to learn how to coach better. Because what you really want is everybody in the plant floor to be a problem solver. It's 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 somewhat like a continuous improvement event, but you might have to. It's kind of like a lean sensei type of demo, you know, our right. concept where you're going out there and you're never giving the answers, and this kind of a simplistic version of that, you're never giving the answers, rather than saying, oh, I don't think that idea is going to work, I might say, you know, listening to you talk about what you're going to do, I'm not sure what you're going to implement is going to give you the results that you want. Have you thought about some other things? But I will never give you the answer. But rather than just giving you an answer, even though I think I know it, I may have to come out five or six times and have the patience to do that. But when it gets done, you've become a problem solver. And now, and that's coaching, so that's part of that. And so in a real lean sensing environment, you're always getting coached by somebody and you're always coaching somebody. But now you might have developed two or three more problem solvers on the floor by taking the time to go out there four or five times rather than saying, here it is, go implement it. And then eventually they'll coach somebody and they'll coach somebody. And after five rounds, you've got two, 300 problem solvers versus just going out and doing kinds of event with five or 10 engineers. And now you have a whole plan full of problem solvers. So that so that's part of that issue. Ah, it just, it just, the, the other it doesn't happen yeah, overnight. No, no. The other thing I see is just a lack of resources. And so most companies uh, under you know they they've let's, let's say you know gone to the robust decision that we're not going to find the resources. And so uh, uh, what do we do internally? And so it gets back to uh, how do we get the operators more involved, which is the uh, really the last step of autonomous maintenance, the owner operator. Uh, the latest buzzword the last five years has been operator-driven reliability, but it's, oh, yeah. it's, but it's really it's, it's all the same thing. And, yeah, and, I agree. And, and so, uh, uh, some people are putting together really good programs that are uh, even teaching the operators basic electrical skills, and they love it. You know, not everybody, but, but a lot of them love it because now they can do some basic electrical at home, you know, safely and all that, and they get certified in that. Hmm. And some that have the aptitude go far enough, and the operators become skilled trades. 
and, and so so people are training their own to get there, and, and everybody's piloting that. Some are farther along, and so on. That is, uh, I like that. And so, what I hear, correct me if I'm wrong, if I have an organization, I'm having some challenges with uh, resources, not getting the right ones, whatever it might be. But I do have skilled individuals that are still a part of my organization. It sounds like I should be motivated in expanding their their right. capabilities. Right. right, there are people that have the potential to have yes. the skills, but never get given the opportunity. That's to right. Yeah. And then be able, and, and that would seem to me that that individual would have greater desire to be there, be committed to the organization, as opposed to just leaving or whatever, because you're making that individual such a valuable component to the, the organization and, and, and expanding their. How, with your organization, with the University of Tennessee, how do, how do you how do you do that for your students? How do you, I mean? It's it's not it's one thing to say, hey, here's a pump, and, and this is what you do, and this is what it's all about, blah blah blah. It's another thing to try to inculcate the the, the dynamics of the industry that they're going into. And that they're passionate about. Well, yeah, the, the hardest thing I think for students to learn always is is 80% of the decisions you have to make don't have an answer you can calculate. Yeah, see? You know, and, and, and so we it's try hard. to teach some of those skills between the internships and the center and so on because on a test in school, it's usually you calculate an answer and it's A, B, C, D or a number. It is. It's, it's just sort of right, wrong. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you do but it's a neat. It's needed, and I, and I find, especially today, and maybe it's because of the the uh, a pandemic that there. I, I just sense a better, a greater focus into the benefits of asset management, proper maintenance, doing what we need to do, utilizing the tools out there, doing because I, I think the pandemic, you know, highlighted the fact that oh. Uh, this is not good for me. Yeah. And then I, I need to collaborate. I need to have conversations. I need to talk about it. Do you find that sort of trend happening? Oh, yeah. I, I, I think a lot of the stuff happening, even on, on the plant floor, is I think we have to get a lot better at meeting the people where they're at. Yeah, te technologically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like that, that time, where, how fast do we get into the new technology? I mean, I, I label that usually zone of uncertainty. I think we're in the middle of one right now. Oh, it's again, just, again, how fast do I step into the new stuff? when 90% of my workforce is still trying to understand the basic technology. It's, it's so true. It's, it, and, and, and I agree with you 100%. It's like, I got it, but I'm just trying to lube this bearing. That's all yeah. I'm trying. And trying to do it right. Because yeah. i got to lube it. Yeah. You know? How, I, I don't want to put too much in it. Yeah. I, I want to put the right in it. That's where they're at. It's, it's, it's pretty basic, and you're absolutely correct. And it's important. Um. So I, I just think you're right in the, the heart of it. And, I, and are you finding a greater interest from a, from a people saying, hey, I want to be a part of this? Yeah, I, I, th I think uh, you know, more young kids are interested in it because of the technology. And it's kind of neat now, you know, with the dynamics yeah, and, and all, it's the, got a all that kind of swag stuff. to it. Uh, I see a lot more young ladies in it. I mean, the classes that I take to uh, overseas to teach them in world-class locations, things like that in the summer. Uh, it's been half uh, ladies and half men now. Which is a great sign yeah, it that, is. that they're getting into it, uh, but I, I think there's also a, a short window of opportunity uh, where the young people in the companies that have that opportunity match them up with the baby boomers like myself that are in the plant that have been in there 20, 30 plus years, 
because that window is going to close. The, the next level of baby boom is going to retire in the next five years. Yeah, no, and, you're right. And then where are they going to get that matching experience? And so, so, you, so companies that are doing it right are matching up the younger people with senior people on the floor to get those experiences. See, when I was a, a, a lineman, I started out as a groundman, right? And I'm going to be a transmission lineman. And I was going through my apprenticeship program. It was on site. Yep. It was on the tower. It was on the pole. It was doing the stuff. But I was always paired up with a a, a crotchety old yep. seasoned yep. son of a gun that's seen it all. And, yep. and, and he's like, in colorful language, don't do yep. that. Do this. Well, when I was a young engineer, I uh, volunteered to run second shift. Nobody wanted to rotate. And I said, well, I'll just take it all year because my kids were at the age. I would see them more during the day right, anyway. Right. You know? So I said, I'll run second shift because I knew there was less meetings. So I got changed and went out with maintenance You know, every night that I could. And I'd say, here's what I learned at school. How do you really do it? Right. <laughs> and he it said, is. You know, and, and, and I learned more there. than I, I mean, not that I learned the technical stuff, but all the things to keep a plant running, it was the people on the floor that showed me that. It's always the case. Yeah. It's always the case. And, and and when I was out in the field, the same thing. It was like, yeah, Scott, this is the this is the reason why we did it this way. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's not supposed. It, yeah, they say it's this way, but this is the reason why we did yeah. that. You yeah. know, it just is. Yeah, and that's what you're losing now is yes. all, all those baby boomers and the technicians, the trades, the engineers that run the floor. They all have their own little so-so notebooks, black books that says notes on what makes the plant run, how I adjusted it over all the years. That's exactly correct. And th- that's not in a, in a CMMS system or anything. That's their own personal notes. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not. You're absolutely spot on. I, I just, I don't know. I, I just, every time I say it, I think it's exciting. At the same time, it's a little unnerving yeah. because I, I don't have answers. I don't have, I still have a bunch of question marks out there, right? Yeah. So anyway, how do they get a hold of you? Let's say you're talking to somebody and say, hey, this is how you get a hold of me because they're interested in knowing more about what, what's taking place in the University Just, of Tennessee. Uh, first initial last name, so it's a K B L A C H E at utk.edu. I'm pretty good on email. Yeah. You're pretty good anyway. Like to think so, but we're having a good time. Anyway. Yeah, absolutely, man. You, you nailed it, man. All right, once again, we're broadcasting yeah. from SMRP. This is the 30th annual, and, and Klaus here was a part of the you know SMRP in the beginning. Yeah. Look at you, man. 30th annual. You look like you're 27. I'll take that. You're a good liar, and I'll believe it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You need to put this one on your bucket list just because if you're in the maintenance and reliability space and you have that passion, this is a place that you need to be able to, I don't know, collaborate with all of these problem solvers. It's an excellent, excellent venue for that. So make that a point. And I think it's in October of next year, 2023. Orlando, I believe, is where it's going to be. All right, we're going to have all the contact information for Klaus and then some at Industrial Talk. We're going to wrap it up on the other side, so stay tuned. Thank you very much for joining. We will be right back. You're listening to the Industrial Talk Podcast Network. Another great conversation with Klaus, University of Tennessee. Now, I make this recommendation because it's important. If you have any passion or any desire to get into the reliability, maintenance, asset management world, I highly recommend that you reach out to Klaus. All the contact information will be out on Industrial Talk, University of Tennessee. Um, It is a great, great opportunity to really learn a wonderful profession. That's without a doubt. University of Tennessee, great. (laughs) The guy, the director, Klaus, 
great guy. He knows a lot right there. He knows a lot. All right, I always say we're building a platform, a platform that is truly focused in on education, collaboration, as well as innovation. The world is changing, and it's changing rapidly. And and the only way that I know, me personally, is that you have to be committed to the education. You have to be committed to finding those professionals that you want to collaborate with so that you can innovate and innovate in a way that creates a resilient business. That's what Industrial Talk is all about. And that's why we feature all of these wonderful professionals that that are truly open to collaborating. So I, I highly recommend just go out to industrialtalk.com. Say, Scott, I wanna I wanna participate. I wanna be a part of it. Just let me know. You'll be talking to me. All right. Be bold, be brave, dare greatly. I say it all the time. All the time. Hang out with people like Klaus and you will change the world. We're going to have another wonderful conversation coming from SMRP. By the way, you need to put that on your calendar. SMRP shortly, so stay tuned.